Welcome to the Lonely Catch-Up. It's myself, Chris, and today I'm joined by Sean Spedden. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, not doing too bad. Um, seem to have got a, a bit of a cough, so I'm going to try and keep it under control a bit today. But um, yeah, early morning this morning, so we're obviously recording this um, in the evening. So I am uh, looking forward to getting this done so that I can get myself to bed. Very tired. How, how are you doing yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, but before we start, uh, just a wee bit of a shout out to... Uh, back on side, it's at back on side on uh, on Twitter. They're a Scottish charity supporting those affected by mental health, disabilities, and challenging life uh, circumstances. They support a lot of professional and ex-professional footballers, and the reason we're talking about them is because it's uh, the numbers increasing. Uh, Aaron Connolly of uh, Fault House United. A lot of the guys will know him. Obviously, he was formerly at East Kilbride and BSC Glasgow in the Lowland League. Uh, you know, he told his story recently uh, on Radio Clyde. You, you might have heard that the guys listening in um, quite heavy stuff, obviously. Uh, you know, anything to do with mental health. And uh, Lee Mayer and uh, Paul McGrillan's family, uh, Motherwell, uh, were recently on Rocksport talking about mental health and uh, obviously shared their stories. But the reason we're giving them a wee bit of a shout out is because obviously they they do really important work and. Especially around our area, Sean, there's been a lot of um, young young men taking their lives uh, recently over the last uh, last few months, and it's obviously a difficult thing to talk about. But uh, we're just hoping that just us talking about it will raise awareness and and uh, you know the work these guys do. And if anyone does uh, have you know wants to reach out or anything, obviously there's support there. I think it's um, good that it's getting the airtime it, it deserves. Um, even out with sport and and football in general, it's it's a big a big thing. And with social media the way it is just now, there's there's a lot of pressure on on people. And you, you hear about these stories as well, so it, it it's quite sad to hear. Um, but at the same time, it's yeah the awareness side of thing. It's it's good and it's good to to see so much support out there. And there's so many channels that you can go to nowadays if if you are looking for for support. And it's not so much taboo to. To go out and and say that that you know you need help or you need to talk, so yep. no, nah, it's really good and you know uh, these guys seem to be doing a really good job as well. So yeah, from an awareness standpoint, it's 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 brilliant to see. Yeah, absolutely. The support is there if anyone needs it. Uh, you know, we we appreciate that it can be difficult to talk to people and stuff, but you know, uh, there's nothing more important than your life. You know what I mean? And uh, and you've got to applaud guys like Aaron Connolly. Who's uh, obviously fighting his own battles with things, uh, being an ambassador for Back On Side, who are just doing a fantastic job. So a wee bit of a shout out there for uh, Back On Side, and obviously the the great work that Aaron Connolly does, as well as other people raising awareness. I noticed uh, Ricky Hatton had done a, a bit of a video um, more recently about his his issues with mental health and stuff. So yeah, uh, more awareness is great, and we obviously hope if anyone is struggling in that. You know, there's definitely uh, support out there for you. So we did actually get a question this week from uh, Ryan Norrie. Question for the pod: How do you see the landscape changing in the Lowland League over the next eight to ten years? Uh, how many of the current sixteen do you think will still be in the league? Uh, and basically, how drastically different could it look in the future with promotion and relegation on the cards? Um, any thoughts on that, Sean? Uh, first of all, I, th- I think it's a cracking question about how the landscape's going to change. In the next eight to ten years, which is that's a ma- you know a massive length of time. Just look at how much the landscape's changed over the last two years. It's been absolutely huge. Um, for me, you know, if I was to put my neck out there and say what I thought or how I think the Lowland League will look in eight to ten years, I think it'll be it'll be very different. Again, I could quite easily see half of this league no longer being in the Lowland League, whether that's through you know the bottom four or five sides dropping out and down to the, the east of Scotland and south of Scotland leagues as well as you know potentially four or five sides getting promoted into SPFL2 and that that can only be good for for Scottish football as a whole it's going to make it's going to make your SPFL more competitive and it's going to make the Lowland league even more competitive and same with the east of Scotland premier i think it's likely as well that 8 to 10 years it'll be a thing of the past talking about automatic relegation out of League Two, I think that's something that'll be that'll be a big change as far as the landscape goes. I think this this playoff chance, uh, a survival that that your League Two sides have if they they finish at the bottom of the table, I, I think that'll be a thing of the past as well. But no, a, a really good question, and I think you know 
just looking at the last two years, the next eight to ten is going to be massive. How how do you see how do you see it looking? Do you think you'll do you think you'll still be doing the catch up in eight to ten years? <laughs> well, Sean, I think I've discussed it with yourself and Moza. I tend to stay away from these questions. You know how much I really don't like them. Nothing against Ryan, obviously. It's uh, you know I said we would uh, answer it for him, but. I'm not too much of a hypothetical person. I know other sort of podcasts and other sort of radio shows have talked about this uh, question. I really the reason I don't like it is because I think we're doing pretty well in terms of structure in the loan league. Sixteen teams play each other twice a season in the league. I'm a big advo- uh, advocate for expanding the leagues above League Two. League One, possibly even the Championship. Well, I don't think the, the Premiership will ever change because obviously, you know, the fact that Rangers and Celtic. But, uh, I mean, we've got 16 teams in this league. It's really competitive. Uh, teams play each other twice, as I mentioned, uh, a season. And then you've got the likes of 10 teams and uh, in, in league football playing each other four or five times a season. It's uh, So I think, I think we're kind of a bit more exciting on that front. Uh, and that's, you know, as I say, I think they should really look at to extend the, the leagues above. Uh, but I think we're doing really well in terms of uh, basically what you're saying. I think we could have a bit of a mixture. We could have uh, teams going up, uh, League Two teams coming down. We could have East of Scotland teams coming up. Uh, yeah, it's going to be completely different in eight to ten years. The progress of this league has been fantastic. And I think um, it's going to get to a point where... It, there's going to be look at Cove Rangers obviously just coming into the league. I know it was the Highland League, but you know, fantastic start to their campaign. Edinburgh City have done well. It's going to come to a point where that uh, it's going to have to be automatic relegation from League Two, I think, because uh, we're doing so well in the Lowland League, and and in fairness, the Highland League are doing doing good as well. So there's a thing there where it will be basically whoever wins the playoff between the Lowland League and Highland League will probably end up going to League Two in the future. But yeah, a mixture of teams, probably League Two teams as well as um, some some guys, uh, possibly still in the Lone League in the next ten years. But you never you never know. It's a, a long, long time, and I don't know if we'll still be doing this in eight to ten years. <laughs> ah, exactly. It's not just um, I know we cover the Lone League, but it's not it's not only the Lone League catch up that you, you're likely going to be able to see a lot of change over the next eight to ten years is the Highland League as well, which you touched on there. Yeah. Um, at the current currently, you know, they have their their set league and there's no relegation out of that league. I could see that changing in the next eight to ten years as well, which is only going to make the Highland League more competitive as well. So yeah, I think the yeah, I, I'm I'm the same as well, I don't know, I'm not the same as you as far as hypotheticals go. I love a wee cheeky hypothetical. But even taking that out of the equation, I think just looking at fact and what's happened over the last few years, I think, I think yeah, it'll be an interesting few years to come. Cracking question. Ryan did also ask, uh, what uh, do you see the West region of the Scottish Juniors ever joining the pyramid? Uh, I would like them to. I think it would be pretty good uh, in terms of you know West versus East, uh, like it was in the, the old sort of junior style. Uh, but for me. I think they probably want to be on par. I, I don't know if this is true, but I think they probably want to be higher than the east of Scotland, which I don't think will be like I don't think they'll ever agree to that because it's a bit unfair that you know east of Scotland teams are fighting out trying to get into the Lone League, uh, and there's West Junior teams that might want to be uh, like a you know a step above them without really ever fighting for it and stuff. And I think a lot of West... I know that's not every West Junior team, but I think uh, a lot of them like being in their own wee bubble. That's my take on it. I mean, no disrespect to the the Scottish Juniors, but that's just my take. I think they like the sort of locality of a lot of the games and obviously the rivalries and stuff. I I don't know if there's a lot of teams that really want to be part of the pyramid or they're maybe not ready for the... To be a part of the pyramid at this this point in time, yeah, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that because do you know what they, they like being in their bubble because it's a brilliant setup that they've got there. The West Juniors is, is highly competitive and right now they they quite enjoy being in their own their own sort of setup. I think a big thing for for those guys is going to be seeing how the East of Scotland and the Lowland League develops over the coming eight to ten years because if you know asset does progress and it becomes more competitive and the coverage increases I think it's going to become more appealing for your West of Scot your West of Scotland junior sides sort of to be interested in joining the pyramid and I think when it does roll around it will need to be the same sort of format with um 
the east of Scotland League West, both of them feeding into the Lowland, and in, in exactly the same way that the Lowland and the Highland sides, you know, they, there's a bit of disparity at the moment, and and we'll probably see that sort itself out if and when the the West Juniors become the West of Scotland and join the pyramid. If if that were to happen, there probably would be some disparity until things sort of evened out and you saw some of the stronger West sides get promoted into the Lowland League and perhaps some of the weaker East sides drop back into the East of Scotland but that's inevitable and, and change is always it's not going to happen overnight but I, I, I think what happens with that depends on how successful this still very young Lowland League sort of concept and pyramid scheme is over the next few years Absolutely and obviously we've got the, the South of Scotland also in that sort of wee bit of a you know, uh, a feeder league, if you will, uh, and and yeah, they're they're also competing with the, the East of Scotland as well. So, I think it'll be interesting. But I, certainly, as I mentioned, I'm an advocate for looking at you know the actual league football. I think um, I don't know if, if a lot of fans would agree, but certainly I don't think I would want to see the same teams play each other four four or five times a season. I think it would get a wee bit stale at that point, uh, unless it's a obviously a rivalry or a derby. So that's why I, I quite like uh, the format of the Lone League because you're only ever going to be home and away unless you obviously get a team in the cup and whatnot. Uh, we'll move on, uh, get into our fixtures. We'll start with Friday's fixture. Do you want to take us through it, Sean? Yeah, two two teams going into this one. Cumbernauld Colts, always a challenging side to face, particularly at the beginning of the season. And BSE Glasgow, who have been hugely successful over the last couple of years, but they were coming off the back of... Uh, a three-game stretch over the period of six six days, so it was touted to be quite an interesting Lowland League tie, this one. It was 24 minutes in when Colts probably should have took the lead after Colts' ball that hit off the bar. Ball came back out to one of the Colts guys, then hit the post on the third strike, close to bar, but he was able to, to make the, the save there to keep it at 0-0. Uh, 35 minutes in, it was almost a goal for BSC. It was Martin Green that was able to turn and almost catches Greer off balance, but the Colts keeper does well to recover and claw the ball off the line. So a couple of chances in the the first half there, but it did go into half-time 0-0. And there was, there was chances for both sides in that first half as well, but I think both sides would have been happy to go in at 0-0. Um, or at least, you know, still in with a chance to win the game. In the second half, it was nine minutes in that Mark Green was able to poke the ball through to Tom Orr, but under intense pressure, Orr launched forward and the strike, it basically goes right across um, the face of the goal there and there was nobody there just to tap it in, which was a bit frustrating. A couple of minutes later, at the other end of the pitch, Stephen Barr um, made a, a really good save with a, a point blank block from right. Yeah, it was it was one that you kind of thought was going in when you saw the opportunity, but fantastic save. Shortly after that, on the 64th minute, it was actually the Colts that took the first goal, so it was a wee bit of sloppy defending, to be honest, from BSC. One of the defenders tried to play it back to the, the goalkeeper. Colts were able to slip in, cut it back to Fraser team, who quite cool under pressure, surrounded by a couple of BSC guys, was able to slot it in the corner and make it 1-0 to Colts. Um, 10 minutes later, and it was Jamie Hamilton who had a low strike that was able to, it basically made its way right through the defence to Jamie McCormack, who was able to just pop it into the, the back of the net to make it 1-1. It looked very likely that the game was going to finish with both uh, teams taking a, a share of the spoils, but it was into stoppage time that Colts were able to steal a goal it was Martin Wright that was able to turn in a Colts free kick that was conceded just outside the box to give um, Cumbernauld a, a, a very welcome three points against BSC and obviously for, for BSC very good side that's um, one win one draw and one loss out of their first three games so yeah, very interesting start to the season. To be honest, I think BSC were very, very unlucky uh, for Colts' first goal. I think it was a foul. Like, uh, definitely, it uh, should have been a free kick, in my opinion. But, you know, that, that's the way it is sometimes. I don't think we could be too harsh on BSC Glasgow, as you mentioned. Obviously, three games in six days. It was always going to be tough. We know Cumbernauld Colts are pretty good early doors. I wouldn't be too worried with BSC uh, losing that game. I think there's going to be other teams... 
that we're going to, you know, that we expect to do well in the league. And uh, Colts certainly at Broadwood Stadium, early doors are certainly a, a decent team. And I think it's a really good start to the season for them. Other than that, I don't really have too much to say about the game itself. I think it could have went either way by the sound of things. Certainly, uh, both keepers were busy. Uh, both teams had their chances. So, yeah, but in terms of uh, the result, I think Glasgow, I think they'll just want to move on and, and get back uh, get back to business. You know, it's early days for, for BSE. So, I think, um, yeah, they played, they played some tough, tough opponents in their first three games and over a short span of time they've still looked really strong in those games so I don't think BSC should be too worried yep definitely uh, we'll move on to Berwick Rangers versus University of Stirling I, I had a lot of things to say about this game at, uh, on Twitter afterwards uh, because of the reaction but University of Stirling uh, beat Berwick Rangers 2-1 at uh, Shieldfield Park uh, Stirling Uni opened the score in the 19th, uh, 19th minute it was a great strike by Jason Jarvis Ozzy did crack the bar for Berwick Rangers uh, with a fierce shot, but it wasn't until the 77th minute that Grant uh, Rose pulled them level. Uh, but four minutes later on the 81st minute, uh, it was a penalty for uh, University of Stirling with uh, Craig Brown uh, scoring from the penalty spot, um, something they didn't really do much last season. But for me, um, I did have a wee look at it, and I'm really sorry to Kevin Waugh, but for me it was definitely a penalty. Uh, two-footed, a bit of a dangerous one on a standing leg. I think he just caught... Uh, caught the Stirling Uni player. But my thing about this one was the reaction to it. It seemed all sort of doom and gloom, uh, you know, and words like embarrassing result and stuff. And it really kind of annoys me sometimes where, when people sort of look down just because there's a, a moniker of University of Stirling or Edinburgh Uni and, and, and last season certainly uh, Edisport. Uh, these these teams are all Lowland League teams and... Uh, and I think they have to be respected a wee bit more, certainly. It has been a bit of a decline for Berwick Rangers, and they probably did expect, well, this is going to be the one that's going to get us the first win. But uh, University of Stirling have got a really good side, and as I mentioned, really good players. Players that have played at higher levels as well, and in terms of you know youth teams and the SPFL and, and whatnot. I don't think they, they deserve to be disrespected. It was just the overall scope. I'm not pointing this at one, per, uh, one person, but I just thought the reaction... Or the overreaction, rather, was a, a bit much. Uh, certainly, 81st minute penalty, you know, what can you really do? I mean, it's not like they were beaten uh, 6-0. And, and in terms of where these teams place, I mean, I reckon they're probably both going to be around mid-table. So, for me, it's not an embarrassing result. And I, I wouldn't really be too concerned uh, on the Berwick Rangers' point of view. You know, I, I know it's a bit of a shock to the system, if you will, but... Uh, I, I'm not really too concerned about Berwick Rangers unless they, they obviously there's some fans that might have expectations that they're going for the title but uh, looking at the strength of their team I think they're they're evenly matched with the University of Stirling uh, in my point of view I was I was a bit critical early doors Sean you know this yourself of Ian Little the manager I still have my, my doubts about him and it's based off last season with Whitehill Welfare but to me, I think Ian and the boys deserve a chance. They're, they're, they're a new team uh, put together. They've got a lot of good players, players that I rate, uh, but they need time to gel, and it's simple as that. I don't think people should be, you know, uh, <laughs> hanging them out to dry and, uh, uh, you know, this early in the season. Uh, but it's a, in fairness, it is a fantastic result for University of Stirling and obviously getting a, getting a penalty goal as well. So <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, Sean? No, absolutely. Like first and foremost, I think it's cracking to to see them, you know, scoring that penalty and getting that monkey off their back, nice and all. Because it, I think they definitely dropped some points last season with the the performance on the the penalty front. But yeah, as for sort of the the reaction to the games, I'd agree that it, you know it was it was quite boisterous about how this was an embarrassing result. I think a lot of it boils down to you know a club with uh, Berwick's history. I think you know any uni team that they go up against, I think it's gonna be another sort of you know, part of their history that they're not they're not gonna like. I totally agree that um still in uni are a, a tremendous outfit. They they were nowhere near the the bottom of the table last season and I don't think any of us have, have mentioned them when we've been talking about sort of what we think the bottom of the table is going to look like this year. And I you, you I'm not I wasn't surprised by the result by any stretch, but you know, Berwick, a team with a lot of history there I think outside one or two, or maybe two or three teams within the the Lowland League, I think every loss is going to be seen as a bit of a disappointing loss when 
you know, they roll back a few years to to where they were. I think it's going to be a, a tough one for for a lot of the guys at, at Berwick to, to swallow for a little while until they find their feet. And do you know what? That's the, like you say, they're going to have to be given time. Um, managers don't get seasons, um, neither do players. But Berwick are going to need, you know. They're going to need some time to find their feet as just a, a club in general um, before they can think about challenging for the Lowland League and, and moving back up to um, SPFL again. So it's it definitely a disappointing loss for them, but I'm not surprised. Um, it's Chris and, and the boys at Stalin, they do a fantastic job, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that they were able to go out there and, and steal the points. And do you know what? Credit to them as well because they're not even at full strength. Um, it's still August, so we had our reservations after we lost a, a couple of big players during pre-season. So, you know, well done to those guys. But Berwick, it's going to be disappointing. I think, regardless, like no disrespect to whoever they play, I think it's going to take a while for them to adjust. Bonnie Rigg travelled to Crystal Gillis Park to face civil service strollers. Um, a couple of teams that I think we've all got, you know, quite high hopes for this season. They're p- perhaps going to be a tier below the, the guys that are challenging for, for the title this season but they're going to be right up there and they're likely to, to steal some points from, from everybody in the the league um, quite, a couple of quite evenly matched sides as well, I think uh, you shouted me out on, on Twitter for not pointing out how exciting this game was <laughs> I must have jinxed him eh? <laughs> but, uh, quite rightly so as well because <laughs> well, do you know for two, for two teams um Evenly matched a draw, a draw is a fair result. So on the the Twitter front, it was a bit of a, a quiet one, but there wasn't a great deal to report in the first half. And in the first half was goalless. N- neither keeper really getting called into too much action as the two sides um, sort of fell each other out to to see how the the game was going to go. But in the second half, it only took ten minutes for the home side to break up the pitch. Um, so some strong shouts for a penalty for Bonnie Rigg but it was Mayer that scored for Civil first to make it 1-0. Bonnie Rigg, after the, an, another sort of half an hour, you know they had a, a third strong shout for a spot kick as well, and this time it was a linesman running to the corner flag, but the the referee didn't agree with the decision, so it, it remained 1-0 to, to Civil at that point. looked like Civil were, were going to go away and take the three points in a, a hard-fought match, but... Um, on the 89th minute there was a ball into the box and it was Young who was able to tower over everyone to head into the back of the net and steal a point for, for Bonnie Rigg at the close. A couple of chances from from both sides after that actually ended with a, a red card in stoppage time to Faye after yeah he was shown his, his second yellow um, given his marching orders but um, overall yeah. Um, a share, a share of the points for both sides, and I'm sure this early in the season, both sides are going to be happy to take that. It's two sides that are, do you know what? They're still undefeated after three games, which is a nice, um, it's a nice tagline to have next day after three games in a, a competitive. And they've both had some some good games already this season. So I actually thought Civil might nick this one. Uh, I kind of, I don't know why, I just had a feeling, and they were they were pretty close. But Bonnie Rigg did have. Their chances, and obviously they felt a wee bit aggrieved at the the penalty shouts. I noticed uh, they did mention uh, that they enjoyed uh, the game management by the strollers. I think that's uh, well. I've been to Christy Gillis a few times. I think you too as well, Sean. If a ball goes over the <laughs> over the fence, uh, I don't know if you're you're going to get it back quickly. I think that's what they were uh, talking about. Maybe a wee bit of time wasting or, or something there, uh, from what I've what I gathered, but. You know, it's an excellent result. I've said, I believe, um, Strollers have a better team this season. I, I, I do believe that. Uh, and I, I think they're, yeah, you're probably right. The, these two teams are going to be in the second tier of, uh, of you know, just behind the likes of Kelty, East Kilbride, uh, you know, teams like that. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think, you know, bo- both these teams would be too concerned, uh, you know, drawing, because they're, they're both going to be up there uh, towards the top end of the table uh, come come the end of the season uh, from what we've seen so far. So, uh, Dalbiti versus Galaferidine Rovers at Islecroft Stadium. Uh, just a wee note, I know I wasn't on the, the, the last pod or the midweek pod, uh, Dalbiti did look really good against Isco Bride. I, I kind of expected them to um, 
to go out and, and really try and get a result here, but uh, Galaferidin uh, did get the win. Uh, three games, no points and no goals does not make for good reading for Delbiti Star. Uh, it was an error-ridden first half from both teams, uh, really, but 35 minutes, Danny Galbraith collected possession and burst through the centre of the star defence. Uh, but Calvin Cowie appeared to get himself between the player and the ball. Uh, home fans would say he just eased Galbraith off the ball, whereas uh, away fans would argue that it was enough contact to award, an, uh, to award a penalty. Unfortunately for the for Star, the referee went with the away fans' opinion and uh, Galbraith um, sent Vinnie Parker the wrong way from 12 yards in the 35th minute. The closest Delbiti came to an equaliser was in the 77th minute when uh, Dean Brotherston met an in-swinging Lewis Sloan corner with a powerful near-post header, but unbelievably... The ball smacked off the underside of the bar and fell to a defender who cleared the danger. Delbiti certainly had their chances, but from what I've, you know, from their reporting, uh, you know, they gave Gala a game, but uh, lacked composure in front of goal. One thing I've got to say, just, you know, we'll, we'll mention Delbiti, obviously, but I think I, I, I personally, I probably have to apologise to Gala because I've, I've maybe underestimated them, uh, certainly not give them uh, the credit. Uh, you know <laughs> that I deserved, but it sounds to me like it probably wasn't the best game having you know both teams playing midweek. So there's maybe a wee bit of rustiness there, but certainly Gala have done something which is really important at this league. Is they've maybe not played well, but they've went out and got the result, albeit obviously from the penalty spot. Uh, Delbiti again, I, I, it's too early to tell. I, it is concerning that they've they've went uh, three games, no points, and and no goals, but. Um, I do believe. I still believe they've got a bit of a stronger team this season. I think that will, you know, that's not going to go on forever. I don't think they're going to have the same season as as last season, and I think they will, uh, you know, bounce back and and start getting points. But uh, yeah, and in fairness, uh, the thing about Gala, obviously, they've been playing uh, teams uh, and around them. They've not really played a lot of the the bigger teams, if you will. And Delbiti have had, you know, uh, Kel- uh, well, Kelty uh, first week, then they had East Kilbride. Uh, midweek, so it, it'll be interesting. But certainly for Gala, it's it's looking good uh, early season. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you just alluded to there, Delbiti. I mean, this there's, there's um, currently this there's, there's five teams that are sitting with zero points in the league, um, and out of those five, there's three teams with a worse goal difference than Delbiti start. And like you say, they've played Kelly and East Kilbride um, already. And they've played against a gala side that are doing a, a damn good job of proving us wrong. Um, we ex- expected a wee bit of a meltdown this season, you know, in terms of the amount of change that that's happened. But you know, they, they've been right in there as well. But I wouldn't take it away from Dalby. Some tough fixtures that that Star have had to to open up the season, and it's not going to get any easier when they they face BSC next week. But we we saw it from the match report there. Could they quite easily nick the point at the end? Against a, a good gala side, um, I think when they're pitted against you know your team sort of for ten down come the end of the season, uh, they're going to be able to pinch some wins, and I think they'll be comfortably above it. You know, facing Kelly, East Kilbride, BSC in week four, and yeah, surprisingly good uh, gala side midweek fixture in there as well. I, I, I'm not too concerned um, for Dalby at the moment. I still think they've got something to to offer this season, and yeah. Well, there's not much else to say on Gala than just a wee bit of eating my hat. They they proved us wrong a little bit here, and and long may it continue because I think we we've all got a, we've got a bit of soft spot for all the teams in the, the league. You know we we're harsh from what we see. Obviously, it's a result driven business, but it is good to be proven wrong <laughs> sometimes. So we'll, we'll move on to East Stirlingshire versus Gretna 2008. Uh, East one won one at the Falkirk Stadium. Uh, Seventeen minutes in, Matty Flynn converts a Bobby Bar cross from the left. Uh, Thirty. Nine minutes, it was 2-0 Shire. Bobby Barr finishes a move that started with Adam Murray in his own box. Uh, pro- progressed through Horn, Dishington, Miller to Barr, who uh, to who calmly slots home high into the net. Um, 43 minutes, it was 3-0. Bobby Barr finishes a beautiful move for his second of the game and Shire's third. 44 minutes, uh, Shire's Nicky Lowe volleys home from outside the box after a great run from Bobby Barr. <laughs> Uh, four now at half time. Uh, didn't take them long to, uh, to to see more goals. Forty seven minute. Gretna came out and immediately uh, found a way through Shire's defence. 
with their first real attack, uh, attack of the game. Uh, Shire failed to clear the lines and the ball bounced around before being forced home by Callum Duke-Smith. Uh, 62 minutes, Shire's Matty Flynn finishes a delightful move. <laughs> no stunning move as it was put by uh, Shire's Twitter. Nicky Lowe from the centre of the pitch puts a, a slide uh, pass through to Barr who takes a touch and crosses for Flynn who effortly, <laughs> effortlessly uh, sides foots it in for number five. I guess, yeah, it's getting a bit, you know, <laughs> 64 minutes, it was 6-1 Mark Miller finishes a wonderful passing move. 65 minutes, uh, pretty much straight from kickoff, Mark Miller makes it 7-1. Uh, with Shire saying that they can't keep up. I've, I've certainly been there with Kelty uh, as well. It's 67th minute, uh, Dishington makes it 8-1. S- simply fantastic football being played and the passing is amazing. And uh, just to round it off, for Ning 1, 85th minute, Martin Orr finishes a lovely move again involving some delightful passing. Ning 1, um, not great reading for Gretna, but... Uh, I did see a bit of obviously Shire certainly from the highlights of uh, against Edinburgh Uni and stuff, but their passing was talked about in a lot of the interviews. I I, I don't think they were pressing as much against uh, Uni. I know they won four now, obviously midweek, but it seems to me like uh, they were on their on point today against uh, Gretna. Ning one's a fantastic uh, result. I've seen obviously all the goals and stuff, and the passing was fantastic. A lot of stuff going through. Uh, Bobby Barr, as you would imagine, obviously a fantastic uh, addition. But, you know, it's good to see the likes of uh, Mark Miller doing well and uh, Matty Flynn and uh, the likes of Jamie Dishington. But, yeah, fantastic from Shire. I think they would love more results like that. If they can get that consistency of them pressing uh, in different phases, yeah, if they can play like that, uh, like most games, then they're certainly going to be up there. But for Gretna, it was uh, a wee bit of a... A, f- a capitulation, if you will. I mean, you know, Ning one that's very, very concerning for Gretna. I think we all said that Gretna are probably going to be in the rele- relegation battle. We all knew that Chris Humphrey was uh, taking on a, a bit of a difficult job. Uh, Shire are obviously a good team, but that is uh, to concede nine uh, a bit really concerning for a for a Gret- uh, Gretna side. I would say. Do you know what? If you're, if you're watching the highlights back a couple of times now, it, it could have been more um, the way you know. East Allenshire just seemed to dominate the game. The some of the play between some of these new guys that Shire have brought in, um, Matty Flynn, Bobby Barr in particular, the way they've played off of each other in that game. Um, if we can see more of that over the the rest of the season, they're going to be a, a side to be reckoned with. And you know, I, I feel I feel for some of the the sides that are going to be sitting at the foot of the table because I feel like it's going to be a bit of tit for tat with Kelty and, and Shire um, as far as some of these high scoring games go because they do they have the firepower this season that they're able to do that and you know it's just a bit worrying for Gretna here because you know that's that's three games now um, where the, the results haven't probably been the, the pleasing including you know taking no points against a, a 10 man uh, Cali Braves side as well um, will be frustrating it'll be interesting to see when some of these sides start to play the other teams um, because you know Gretna have played several uh, Cali Braves and Shire in their opening three, um, which are by no means easy games. Uh, it's going to be interesting when we start to see some of these teams go up against each other, you know, a bit more evenly matched, um, to see just what kind of situation your Gretna is and even your, your Berwick's are in. I was along at Alliance Park to watch Kelty against Cali Braves as well. It was another, another interesting game. Uh, Caledonian Braves uh, coming off some impressive results and uh, Kelty obviously coming off of that 8-0 win against Dalbiti a week before. Um, it didn't take long though for, for Kelty to, to sort of state their intent. Uh, seven minutes in and it was Dylan Easton with a long range strike that opened the the, the scoring. It took a, a knock off someone but um, Dylan Easton was credited with a the goal there. A couple of minutes later and it was Nathan Austin again who basically was able to turn the defender, use his pace a little bit to make it two for Kelty. After 35 minutes, Ross McNeil was able to pull one back for the uh, Caledonian Braves. Currently, you know, he's, he scored four in the opening three games as well. So, you know, they they proved there uh, that they've got a bit of firepower against a very good Kelty um, defence. Uh, 40 minutes in, though, Easton was able to 
header home to make it 3-1 to, to Kelly. After that, Easton did go off, which was a, a wee bit of a concern for, for Kelty, which we can obviously touch on later on. Um, half-time, it was 3-1 to Kelty. They uh, stayed out on the, the pitch due to it being a wee bit warm in the in the dressing room. After uh, after the restart, it took another um, sort of 20 minutes. It was 66 minutes that Danny Ash was able to get on the, the end of a, a Scott Linton corner to make it 4-1 to Kelly, and, and that was ultimately the, the final result. But, yeah, overall it was it was another dominating result for Kelly, but Cali Braves, they were an impressive outfit as well, and they... They had a bit of fight in there from from the get go, even after going down by two after after ten minutes. A, a very good side, um, and they had their chances um, as the game were went on. They were able to keep a a very a very strong Kelty side in check for large parts of the game as well. So it's very strange to to say uh, that a, a team that got beat four one impressed you, but I, you know I think me me yourself and Derek who was also there was. You know, we're, we're quite impressed by Caledonia Braves. We always knew it was going to be a struggle against Kelly. Obviously, uh, you know, they're tipped uh, to be up there, you know, for the title, you know, amongst a, a few other teams. I thought Kelly dominated. I, I thought it could have been more. Uh, Nathan Austin was through uh, a lot. Uh, there was a couple of shouts for a penalty. I think uh, Gary Chen's uh, one, uh, he, was, he was held by Kyle Johnson, uh, who was already on a yellow card. So, it could, you know, uh, Caledonia Braves could have been down to 10 men. But to be honest... I was really, uh, yeah, again, just really impressive stuff from Kelty. Um, they were just lethal. I did wonder about, obviously, the, you know, they, they stayed out at half time. I was, uh, I was thinking to myself, I know, I know uh, Barry's got high standards, but surely he's not given the, the Phil Brown treatment or something. But no, there was, um, Thomas Riley obviously uh, said that Caledonian Braves were, uh, might have been a wee bit sneaky and putting the heating up in the changing room. So, uh, something along those lines, you know, a bit of game and gamemanship, if you will. I've heard different stories of different teams doing that sort of thing, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was uh, just a wee mistake there. I'm sure they turned it the wrong way. Yeah, uh, Caledonian Braves, obviously. Ross McNeil was going to score. He had he had a lot of chances, in fairness too. But uh, the thing that impressed me most about Kelty, uh, you know, everyone really performed, uh, and. When they're attacking, it's it's almost strange to see because it's it almost goes like a two four four, and you you think they're going to get uh, caught out, but Murray Carstairs he had a few blocks and a few uh, tackles in. Danny Ash is obviously quite solid. Uh, the, the, you know, Kelly are just strolling at the moment, and they're, they're you know they're doing fantastically well. Uh, uh, but yeah, Caledonia Braves, I certainly think my rating of them compared to Edisport last season from what I've seen of them, I, I think they've got a better team and. Uh, I just don't know if they were ready for Kelly. I think had they been playing a wee bit further down the line in this season, I think it could have been a bit more interesting. But at the moment, there's a you know this yourself, Sean. There's a really good feel about uh, Kelly at the moment, and the guys seem to be enjoying their football. I spoke to Danny after we got off the bus because I noticed they were all screaming for <laughs> air conditioning. Uh, now I know why. You know when we got on the bus. So, but um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a feel good factor about Kelty at the moment, and uh, there's nothing better when you're a footballer and you're you're playing with a smile on your face. Yeah, I think there's a few few teams in the the league this season that that have got that that going on, which is part of the reason it's such an exciting exciting season. I think. Moving on to Spartans versus Edinburgh University at Ainsley Park. Spartans won two 0 uh, It only took seven minutes. Dean Hoskins lobs a loose ball over the uni keeper from the edge of the box uh, to make it one 0 Spartans. <laughs> The Spartans Twitter guy, obviously we know his name, uh, Mark, he said that he was loving the animation from the visiting technical area, Dorian uh, Agunro giving it loudly to his fellow uh, colleague, uh, uni colleagues, so a bit of, <laughs> I don't know if he would have said it to his face like, but <laughs> a bit of uh, fun, fun Twitter banter there. Uh, the, wo- the woodwork did wobble after it was hit by Adam Corbett's header from a corner. The resulting melee eventually sees the ball hoofed to safety by the students, but it was 1-0 at half time. Uh, 69th minute, it was a fantastic cross by Gregor Woods uh, into the box, met by Cameron Dawson, who powers his header home. Uh, yeah, Moza said that they were missing a target, man. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, 88 minute, it's a red for Maguire and uh, Edinburgh Union are down to 10 men after a foul on Jack Smith. Uh, good to see that Ian McFarlane got uh, the Man of the Match award uh, 
for Spartans. Ian McFarlane's obviously really good in that Spartans midfield. We didn't really mention too much from last season in terms of looking at the midfield. I mean, there was there was a lot of candidates, um, but it certainly does a job for Spartans. I think it was a result that the Spartans really needed. Uh, but again, it's it's kind of concerning for Edinburgh. You know, you know they're up against a, a tough Spartan side. Uh, from what I saw against Shire, they had a couple of opportunities against Shire, but I think they're missing that just that that bit in the final third to maybe get goals. That's where I would worry uh, about Edinburgh. You know, if they can't seem to score goals and and it looks like they're conceding a few goals as well, um, it's certainly worrying. It's certainly. Uh, Dorian's got a, a bit of work to do and hopefully he'll have a, a few guys coming in to, to resolve the, the issues in September. It's one where I think you're always quite interested to find out what um, what's going to happen with Edinburgh because nobody really quite knows. They're, they're, quite, um, they're keeping it all quite hush-hush at the moment for what, what September is going to look like. But um, yeah, they definitely need a wee bit of firepower up there. Um, good to see Dorian get a wee bit of shout out as well, because um, he has a very, I've seen him a couple of times last season. He's very entertaining to see see on the sidelines. He likes to give his his own thoughts on how the game's going um, quite vocally, which is always entertaining. It's good to see Spartans do what Spartans do best and just you know just you know a comfortable win um, two 0 against Edinburgh Uni. That's it's what all they needed to do, and I think we'll see a lot of that this season from a. Uh, a side that didn't really go daft in the, you know, um, transfer market. They've, you know, got their development. They've done really well with that. They're giving their guys um, a chance, and and so far, um, we're only a couple of games in, but but they're doing the business so far. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think both sides. It's it's an expected sort of result. The the two 0 a, a tough one for for Vale, who haven't had the the greatest starts as they they welcomed the defending champs to. Down to inner reason um, for this one. So for the first um, h- half an hour, they were able to keep it at nil nil. Wasn't too many chances at both sides, but after forty two minutes, it was Holmes that was able to break through and get a shot away. It rattled off the post, and you know the top goal scorer from last season, Craig Malcolm, was right there um, to slot the rebound home to make it one nil to East Ride. Went in uh, at half time uh, with the scoreline one nil. Um, after the second half started, it was the 64th minute, it was Sean Winter who was able to slip the ball down the line to Rory Payton, who was able to beat the defender and cut the ball back to the edge of the box where again that man Malcolm was there and he was able to curl the ball into the top corner. Pretty comfortable win for East Kilbride and in the 92nd minute they were able to, to knock it in to make it 3-0 to East Kilbride. Um, that was the, the final score. Quite a convincing uh, win for, for East Kilbride there. A- another defeat for for Vale uh, is a bit disappointing, but do you know what? East Kilbride are a, a very strong side this season, so I'm not I'm not sh- entirely sure that they'll be overly concerned about, about not taking any points against the, the defending champs. Yeah, definitely a, a really decent win for East Kilbride. Uh, obviously, Ross Kavanagh getting the, the third goal there was really good to see because... You know, we me- we mentioned it last weekend, obviously with the Paul Thompson saying about firepower. So it's good to see another striker get a goal. And from what I've seen, R- uh, Rudy Payne's doing really well there. He seems to be building a really effective partnership with Craig Malcolm up front. Uh, they've maybe not, you know, had their their eight nils or their nine ones like you know Shire or, or Kelty. Uh, but I think it I think it'll come. I really do. I think Rudy Payne's looking really dangerous. He looks. He looks a wee bit fitter from what I've seen in highlights than he did maybe at Gala last season. Uh, yeah, uh, no worries for East Kilbride, obviously. They're certainly going to be up there uh, in terms of teams. Vila even on the other hand, uh, they brought a lot of, obviously, the this uh, you know a couple of guys from the Spartans under-20s. Josh Wishart's went on loan from Spartans. My, my concern is, my concern at the start of the season for them, although I do believe they've got a better side, I don't know how better it is compared to other teams that have improved as well. So I do worry a wee bit about Vale. They've got quite a young squad. I mean, they've got a few experienced players like Jer Rossi and Paul Thompson, but um, we'll have to wait and see with Vale. I mean, they've they've not had it easy so far. Uh, obviously, the, the midweek game against Gala was a bit of a demoralizer as well, but their fight's not going to be with East Kilbride. I think when they come up against like Sidalbiti and maybe a Gretna, uh, at the moment, anyway, it'll be interesting to see what the result is. But certainly, uh, Ando's got a wee bit of work to do in terms of gelling. 
uh, the guys there and and uh, but we'll wait and see it's early days we don't want to be too critical <laughs> so and obviously we're going to get on to, to next week's fixtures as well and you know there's, there's a few exciting ties coming up I don't know if you've had a, a chance to have a look at you know a game of the week but there's a few in there that, that definitely look quite interesting for next next week and, and you know a lot of sides playing teams that that we're kind of projecting will finish near each other. So, so uh, we'll start with uh, the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup uh, Tuesday and Wednesday fixtures. We'll probably just do them in a wee bit of a block because I, I don't really have too much to say on individual fixtures because Colts teams you just really don't know uh, enough really because, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with Tuesday's fixtures at St Mirren Colts versus East Colbride at St Mirren Stadium. Uh, Kelly Hearts versus Kilmarnock Colts at New Central Park. And the Wednesday fixtures are Motherwell Colts versus Spartans at Excelsior Stadium and Hamilton Academical Colts versus BSC Glasgow at New Douglas Park. The reason I've kind of joined these all together is because, yeah, like I mentioned, the Colts teams are a wee bit hard to predict because most of the Premiership players, uh, in terms of youth, if they're... You know, they, they, sometimes their their better players get loaned out to to other teams and uh, you know up the leagues and sometimes in the loan league, obviously. But uh, I wouldn't surprise me if some of the Colts teams obviously put out uh, some of the loan league teams. And the reason I say that is because we obviously know it's young guys up against pretty much men and stuff. But you know, they're they're good enough to be playing for a a, a Premiership team essentially or in their youth teams essentially. So I'm not expecting. I wouldn't say I'm not expecting lone league teams to go through, but I'm I'm still expecting it to be a, a tough challenge, even for the likes of Kelly Hearts and, and East Colbride. Uh, well, all the teams, really. Uh, what are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, um, I totally agree with what you've said. I think the the under-21 sides for, for these SPL sides, are they're, they're very good. Um, I got a chance to see a little bit of Dunfermline's um, Colts side in pre-season when they came to play against Kelly, and... Um, yeah, they're pretty, pretty good and pretty talented, and they've been put in this cup competition because, you know, they they've got an opportunity. There was even talk at points about putting these these squads into the Lowland League. That's what they were pushing for, um, and I don't think they'd do that if if they didn't think they were good enough. Um, yeah, I would be surprised to see all the Lowland League um, sides make it through. But do you know what? If they if they can make it through, there's some interesting ties. Um, that'll come in the, the next round for, for these Lone League sides if we can get through. Uh, weekend games, we'll start with Bonnie Rig Rose versus East Stollinshire at New Dundas Park. Uh, a bit of maybe revenge for East Stollinshire in their mind after uh, the Cup game last season. Uh, definitely not an easy place to go in New Dundas Park and I think if Bonnie Rig have any sort of intention to go for the title, uh, certainly we probably don't rate them as high as that. Not, not their first season in the league uh, but certainly, uh, that's going to be a, 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 t- a sort of telling one if they can get a, ro- a result against a, a, an informed Shire uh, team that have you know aspirations for the Lone League uh, title. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I, I think um, this will be a more challenging one for for East Stirlingshire, but I think it's still one that, that they should be able to win against a, a Bonnie Rigg side that are still finding their, their feet in the league. Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Bonnie Rigg were able to pinch something, but I think, I think uh, for what I've seen so far, I think Shire are going to be too strong for them. Um, and I do think that last season, that cup game, it was quite heated. Um, a couple of red cards at the end of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a wee bit of element of sort of revenge and Bonnie Rigg might get a bit frustrated by not dominating as much as they did in that game last season. So it'll be an interesting, an interesting one. But I think uh, Shire... Shire should be able to to still come away with three points, and with the way that you know Kelly and East Kilbride are, um, I think they're going to need to. BSC Glasgow versus Dalbeatie Star at the end of Drill Stadium. I feel a wee bit sorry for Dalbeatie. They they do have a, a a really you know hard opening few fixtures. It was the same last season, obviously, and I think BSC Glasgow will want to get back uh, to winning ways after that defeat against Colts, and you know they're a wee bit fresher. Uh, having played on the Friday so I can only see BSC winning that really Yeah it doesn't get any better for Dalby to start at this point which is, is sad to say but um, do you know what maybe they'll, they'll surprise us a little bit but I agree with you um, everything we've said today about BSC and, and the fact that do you know what they might not have taken as many points as they'd have liked to however 
you know, it's early in the season and they've played some very good sides, this will be one where they expect to take three points and they'll be wanting to do it comfortably. Um, and unfortunately for Dalbiti, they're going to be the side, I think, on the, the other... They're going to be the team on the other side of, of that from BSC. Uh, East Kilbride versus Caledonian Braves. K-Park, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy for East Kilbride uh, because I, Caledonian Braves, they did impress us is what I'm, I'm trying to say. I think East Kilbride will still get the win. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they do as well as Kelty did against uh, against Braves. I think a lot of, there's going to be a lot of comparisons between the likes of East Kilbride, Kelty and Shire uh, at the top anyway, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I certainly would give EK the edge in that one, but uh, yeah, it could be interesting with the Ross McNeil factor. I'm pretty sure he would uh, love to score against his former team in that one. No, absolutely. I, I actually think um, I could I could see this one finishing in a draw. I think um, just the way Cali have been and after last week, um, I think they'll want to go out there. Obviously, won't, I won't be surprised if, if he's Kilbride are able to take care of this. Um, you know, If Cali do want to win, they've got to get past Alan Martin, which is proved to be not an easy task um, so far but I've kind of got this one down in my mind as finishing as a draw and that's no dis- disrespect to East Kilbride I just think um, Cali are better than the result uh, on Saturday there kind of makes it look uh, Yeah certainly as as we mentioned obviously I think uh, Ross McNeil could have certainly had a few more uh, you know Murray, Murray car stairs as I mentioned you know uh, last ditch tackles and all that stuff I thought he was brilliant but yeah uh, it could be an interesting one to look out for but my match of the week is going to be between Edinburgh University versus Vale Leaven, two teams that desperately need a win uh, at East Peffermill this one interests me simply because uh, the points that are up for grabs early doors here uh, could determine a lot uh, later in the season, I think that's why I'm going to make it my, my game of the week uh, I don't know your thoughts, Sean, but uh, for me, that's that's uh, that's a six-pointer, a really, really, really early six-pointer uh, for both teams. I think it's a, a cracking choice. Um, you know, it's one of the two games between two sides with no points. Um, and out of the two, I think you've hit the nail on the head that these will be big points. We saw it with, with Whitehill last season, how or even Dalbiti, with how important the, the three points could prove to be. Um, and yeah, and you know what? I couldn't even pick a winner for this. I think it could go either way, and both sides will go into this one knowing that they they need three points. But obviously, there's there's only three points to to go out, so somebody's going to leave a bit a, a bit disappointed. But yeah, cracking choice for game of the week, I think. Yep, uh, Gala Ferradine Rovers versus Sparrens. Uh, this is also another interesting one because Gala uh, have started the season fairly well. Sparrens. Will still want to be uh, one of the top teams in the Lowland League. I, I don't know what their aspirations are title-wise, but certainly I think it would be a cracking result if Spartans went to, away to the Netherdale and got something. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be easy because Gal have have started the season really well. Uh, to pick a winner, uh, I think it's hard for me to pick a winner in this one. I think all the all the factors, and I would probably still give the edge to Spartans, but Gala, I'm pretty sure, did beat Spartans at the Netherdale last season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I think it's a very tough tie, but I'm going to put it out there for Gala to prove me wrong again. Um, and I'm going to say Spartans for the win here. I think they, they need to get themselves up the table a little bit, but um, yeah, I've, I've been a bit uh, mean to Gala this season, uh, and... Do you know what? I'll not be surprised if they do go out and, and give me a bit of the, the middle finger um, and, and steal the win. They're at home, neither deal. It's not an easy place to go. Um, and so far, you know, they've they've got off to a, a far better start than I was anticipating. So, my pick Spartans. Uh, Gretna 2008 versus Berwick Rangers at Raydale Park. There's another game, obviously, that uh, both teams haven't picked up anything so far. Berwick Rangers really need to win this. And I think they will. I, I think they'll pick up their first three points. I think Gretna are still gelling. I know Berwick Rangers are too, but I think maybe Berwick Rangers are a wee bit further along than uh, than Gretna are at the moment. Again, I, I do like Gretna. I just I think they've, they're going to take a wee bit more time uh, compared to Berwick Rangers. And I think Berwick Rangers, desperately after certainly after the reaction of the Sterling Uni game, probably need it a wee bit more. Um, it's a bit weird to say that considering you know Gretna were beating 9-1 off Shire but to me I think Berwick need that wee bit more uh, to, to prove everyone wrong No I, uh, you've definitely got to say Berwick they definitely do need this one um, but you know for Gretna a team that we've kind of uh, projected are going to be in that, that relegation battle 
you know, if it's ever a time you come against Berwick, it's probably now. Um, you know, they're they're a bit weaker. They're, you know, there's going to be frustrations in that side after not making the start that they wanted. They're going to want to go out there and and try and steal a point or or you know potentially three um, at home as well. I, I'd be the same as you. I'd give the edge purely based on the fact that Berwick need the three points here. Um, just to appease their fans and also, you know, some of the the guys in the locker room, no doubt as well. Um, but yeah, I think Gretna will still. I think you know they're going to go out looking for the three points in this one as well, hundred uh, percent. Kerry Hearts versus Civil Service Strollers at New Central Park. Uh, I think there's only what I think Kerry Hearts are going to win it. Um, from what I've seen of them, I, I, you know, as I mentioned, feel good factor and and stuff. I think it is interesting, obviously. Uh, they're playing, you know, against Kilmarnock Colts on on uh, on the Tuesday, but uh, they've got a, enough squad depth that I think they could probably play around with it and still be sort of successful. Uh, Strollers are going to be up there uh, in terms of teams this season as well, but I don't think they're. I just don't think they're as good enough uh, compared to Cut Hearts from what I've seen so far. Uh, no, if you were to reverse the fixture and put it at um, Christie Gillis Park, I'd be a bit more hesitant because I think. Um, I think Civil, they've got a little bit of something about them, but the fact that it's at New Central Park, um, well, spirits are like you pointed out early, um, earlier. They're quite high at Kelty at the moment. I think it's going to be a tough, tough day out for, for Civil. They might go and prove me wrong, but yeah, I'd give Kelty the edge here. And I think um, the midweek fixture, I, I don't know, I've not seen anything yet, but I don't think it will have too much of a bearing on the weekend. I think um, the league is a priority for for the club um, it'll be the same with a couple of clubs in the Lowland League and I think they'll they'll set their team sheets up that way so that they've got their guys at the weekend who can go out and do the business in the league and to our final fixture another potential cracker actually University of Stirling versus Cumbernauld Colts at uh, Fourth Bank Cumbernauld Colts we mentioned had a, a really really great start to the season and uh, University of Stirling coming off that really good result against Berwick Rangers uh, <laughs> <laughs> Say what you will about that. I would probably, I'd probably give Colts the edge because they're doing so well. But University of Stirling, uh, I, I know people know I, I've got a wee bit of a soft spot for uh, University of Stirling as well. But my head probably stay. I'll probably give Colts the edge a wee bit. I would say in that. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I think Stirling are a good outfit, but Colts have, have made a good. They've made a strong start, um, and. I just I think they're, they're going to have enough at this point in the season going against a sort of weakened uni side, which is a bit scary to say after um, the start that Stirling and Uni have made. But yeah, I think Cumbernauld Colts should be able to win win this one. But again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, as I've said, I think for almost every fixture, if if Stalin can pull a point or three out of this one. Cool. So that is the fixtures of the week of the Lowland League. Uh, we will move on to plugs. Do you want to go first, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can obviously find me on Twitter at Sped and Sean, but I also um, do the Facebook page, so you can find us on there at Lonely Catchup. And what about yourself, Chris? Uh, at Rampin FM on Twitter, and you can find uh, the Lonely Catchup at Official Catchup on Twitter. Uh, well, uh, I did announce it obviously on on Twitter, uh, and I think this time, sort of this time last year, that me and Moza sat down and recorded our first catch up. So it's a, it's been a year. It's been a fast year. Obviously, you've came on board as well, Sean. Uh, you've helped us out, and then obviously there's been a lot of people helping us out, and we've had chats with so many players and and, and people sort of in the background, gaffers, coaches. Uh, Bill Sharp at, uh, at uh, East Stirlingshire. We've obviously had our chats and at training grounds with the Colts in East Stirlingshire. Uh, you just really want to thank you for everyone for their uh, for their fantastic support. Uh, we will be ramping up the interviews. I know I had one for uh, last week. There was none this week, but um, I need to actually discuss it with a few of the clubs that are getting interviews. See if we can maybe you know get them involved more with the catch up. But certainly. A lot of the guys are doing their own YouTube thing as well, so I would probably urge people to to subscribe to uh, the club's YouTubes that that do highlights and stuff as well to to give it a listen. But yeah, it's saying we've probably not started, we've not sorted out yet, uh, but we're we're obviously going to be speaking to the clubs to get a bit more involvement, uh, get them uh, a bit more attention as well, if if you know, raise awareness as well in terms of that thing. But yeah, we want to thank everyone that supported us throughout the year. 
Uh, it's going to be an, another incredible season. It's, it's it's quite exciting. Obviously, the under twenties uh, season kicks off at the end of the month as well, which will give a wee bit of coverage. I know we we gave some coverage to last season, so hopefully we can get a bit more involvement in that. Uh, but other than that, yeah, thanks for the support. We want to thank obviously the league. Uh, uh, George Fraser, the clubs, everyone that really gets involved, listens in, and uh, and people that ask questions like uh, Ryan Norrie today as well. Um, until next week, we'll see you soon. Thank you.